This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Lanka Sheraton is an incredibly pivotal moment in Malaysian political history. It's the moment that caused many to become disillusioned with and lose hope towards our political system. Many questioned the purpose of voting. It's also the event that brought the term political frogs or kata to the mainstream. This brought about the anti-hopping law, a law that promised to put an end to party hopping. The days of the kataks were supposedly left behind. Yet recently, four Bursatu MPs have crossed party lines to pledge support for Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim, strengthening his majority in the Dewan Rakyat. The question is, how can this happen if we have the anti-hopping law? Joining me on the show to unpack everything is Danish Prakas Chako. He's the director at Tindak Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Danish. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. I'm good. Before we discuss the issue at hand, could you remind everybody why we needed an anti-hopping law in the first place? This is a very important question. Considering around in September, it was the one-year anniversary of this law getting into effect. Mm-hmm. The anti-party hopping law finally got approved for a very simple reason of the experiences that we went through after the Sheraton move. So we can see during the Sheraton move, we had situations, parties switching coalitions, individual members of parties switching parties. That was the first part of it. And then that took place at the federal level. Subsequently, similar activities took place at the state level. We had a series of state governments being toppled. So that was the case in 2020. Then what happened in 2021, we had situations where in Malacca, for example, some of the representatives decided to rebel and they leave the party or want to intend to leave the party. And then that triggered a state elections. Mm-hmm. So this is some of the context, right? And we had also another change of federal government that taken place. So all of this instability have really caused trust issues, real trust issues. And we need something to stabilize the situation because we are in the an era where there is no coalition is able to win an outright majority in the Devan Rakya. Right. So when while the anti-party hopping law came to effect in September 2022, it was very needful when we faced the GE15. Can you just imagine for the possibility we did not have anti-party hopping law right. in the G50, especially when there was no single coalition who commanded an outright majority. Imagine the amount of instability that has been taken place and the delay that we would have faced getting a new prime minister in the cabinet. Right, absolutely. So when you know um, the civil society um, organizations um, and the people were pushing for this anti-hopping law. There was robust debates on the various ways um, this can be carried out. Um, eventually, one version was chosen, which is the version that came into effect um, in September and October, uh, September October twenty twenty two. Can you elaborate on the specific mechanics of the anti-hopping law that we currently have, the one that actually came into fruition? Okay. The current anti-party hopping law that we have is is limited but focused. Right. Okay? 
So we must understand that the law is to serve for particular purposes. First of all, it's one of the most straightforward penalty. Mm-hmm. Right. Having been elected to the House of Representatives, so very strictly for Devan Rakya, as a member of political party, so let's say you come from a party that is called Party A and mm-hmm. resigns as a member of political party. So mm-hmm. for example, I resigned from Party A and joined Party B or I shifted from Party A and decided to become independent. Right, whatsoever mm-hmm. that amounts to your resignation, that would result the anti-party hopping law uh, penalizing you. Okay, so that's the first one. This is the most straightforward one. Okay, right. the second one. Having been elected to the House of Representatives as a member of political party, party A, for example, mm-hmm. the person ceased to be a membership. Okay, cease in this term means automatic termination. Right. So this is subject to your constitution of your political party. Mm. The political party can stipulate a couple of clauses or sub-clauses whereby they will mention if you do something, your membership in the party will cease. Right. So in this instance, if you cease to be a member of party A, the anti-party hopping law will penalize you. Right. The third, so third situation, having been elected to the House of Representatives otherwise than as a member of a political party, like a independent or the direct member of a coalition, he or she joins a political party as a member. Mm. So that means independent become party A. Right. Or a direct candidate becomes some some other member, then we have this problem. Okay. So this is where the anti-party hopping law comes into effect. So mm-hmm. these are the specific realms that it covers. Everything else that I have not mentioned is not covered in the anti-party hopping law. Right. So you mentioned that um, you know these three um, very simple but important um, sort of um, mechanisms or triggers um, that is considered um, illegal um, under this anti-party hopping law. What would happen um, if someone decides to just hop anyway? What happens when the law gets triggered, when the law comes into effect? Okay, this I'm just going to just read out what the Constitution is going to say. Right. Whenever the speaker receives a written notice from any member of the House of Representatives on the uh, sorry uh, uh, on the occurrence of a casual vacancy mm-hmm. among the members of House of Representatives, so under this article, the speaker shall establish that there shall be a casual vacancy and notify the election commission accordingly within twenty one days. So basically, the speaker needs to get a written notice. Okay. Right a written notice from the any member of the House of Representatives. It seems that the way the law is framed is that notice has to come from the member of the MP. I'm referring to specifically for the Devan Rakya. Right. And then the speaker has to establish that, that this vacancy is going to take place and inform the election commission within 21 days. And for right. the purposes of this casual vacancy, then EC will have to fill up the vacancy within 60 days from the notification of the speaker. Mm. Right. So that's, I think, something that everybody should keep in mind as we continue this discussion, right? But before I bring it again, uh, uh, circle back to the current issue at hand, um, the reason I'm having you on the show, I want to ask, because earlier um, in your opening, you mentioned about the trust issues that uh, were very, you know, palpable, um, among the public after Lanka Sheraton. Um, you know, once the an, an anti-hopping law came into effect, do you think it did 
a, a job in terms of regaining the trust of the public um, towards our electoral system? To a certain degree, yes. Mm. There is uh, no way for me to, at this point, to tell to what extent it is uh, brought the trust. Right. But as far as I am concerned, from GE15 until now, we have a, some semblance of stability. Okay, GE15, right. one year anniversary is already coming quite soon, on the 19th. Mm-hmm. We have that semblance of stability where we can focus on other pressing matters. Right. So, with all of that out of the way, Danish, recently, four Bursatu MPs have pledged support for Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim. The four are Iskandar Zulkarnian, Abdul Khalid from Kuala Kangsa, Suhaili Abdul Rahman, Labuan, Mohamed Azizi, Gua Musang, and uh, Zahari Kache um, from Jelly. Um, these are the four from Bursatu who have, who have now pledged their support to Anwar Ibrahim. So how is this happening despite the existence of the anti-hopping law? Isn't this considered hopping as well? So before I answer this question, I would mm-hmm. like to explain to the audience that there are so many forms of party movement. Right. Some some of us would like to call party hopping. I would just call it a party movement. Mm-hmm. So we just gone through the three specific instances of party movement uh, based on the current anti-party hopping law, but that's those three. You know, there are many, the other types are, for example, the dissolution or cancellation or registration of political party. In effect, that you involuntarily, you got moved up from your party. Right. You resign and become a speaker. That's a party movement, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you come from a a member of parliament who comes with party background and become appointed as speaker. Being expelled. Mm-hmm. Voting against the party, going against the discipline of the party, political parties switching coalitions. These are so many types of movements. I'm going. Uh, we right. have, we have, would have gone through or might go through. Okay. Now we have a situation, particularly for the Basatu M. We have a situation where there was no hopping. Okay. okay. Per- these four members of parliament remains in Basatu. What they have decided to do is they pledge their support to the Prime Minister of the day. Right. Our anti-party hopping law does not penalize this because the hopping did not take place. Okay. Right. For some political parties, I'm referring to DAP, Amana, and Amno, in their party constitution, it's made it clear for DAP and Amana specifically, the party representatives, the, sorry, the elected representatives who do not toe the party line on fundamental issues or go against party decisions will cease their membership. Okay. Right. So in the DAP's case, for example, you decided not to follow the voting for the prime minister, the candidate, or voting against the budget. If the leadership found out that you did that, your membership could be seized. And when your membership could be seized, you lose your seat in the Devan Rakya. Right. Okay? For Amana, it's, it's quite broad. MP, Senator, State Assemblyman who goes against party decisions 
who automatically lose the membership. By the way, DAP and Amara amended the constitution in September 2022 because they realized the anti-party hopping law has some limitations. They call right. it as loopholes. I don't want to call it as a loophole. I just say the anti-party hopping law was limited but focused. Okay. Right. For AMNO in 2023, it's interesting way how they actually determine this whole cessation is your membership will be revoked, means cessation, if mm-hmm. they left the party after becoming assemblyman or MP. So that would, would trigger the anti-party hopping law. Or they are found to contest as for any other party or independent in any elections. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is how the party constitution determines your cessation of membership. Okay. Now the question is, does Basato has it? Right. France are concerned the Basato constitution doesn't seem to say much about this situation that the four MPs have done. Right. So they are not hopping. Their membership is not being seized. Mm. So hence, so they are not being penalized. Right. So that's very interesting, right? So are we saying um, that as long as an MP doesn't formally leave their party and essentially join another party um, or become an independent candidate, um, the anti-hopping law will not kick in? In that way, yes. Hmm. Unless the party constitution made it clear, there are other provisions that can result in your membership being automatically terminated. On the show with me today is Danish Prakash Chako, Director of Tindak Malaysia. We continue this discussion after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Danish Prakash Chako. He's the Director of Tindak Malaysia and we're talking about the viability of the anti-hopping law since four Bursatu MPs have recently pledged their support for PMX. So, I want to go back to Lanka Sheraton, Danish, because um, I think it all started there. That's the one that really um, made a lot of people disillusioned with our political system and all of that. So, putting Bursatu jumping wholesale or end block aside, because from day one of this anti-hopping law, they've made it clear that this AHL does not cover um, coalitions, like when you switch coalitions as a whole party, one block, you're in this coalition, then you switch to another coalition as a whole block, that's fine. But so putting a Bursatu jumping wholesale aside, let's just look at Asmin Ali and other PKR MPs, for example, um, jumping ship to the other side. It seems like the AHL would not have prevented this from happening so long as, in this case, Asmin Ali and gang um, did not formally quit their party and formally join another party, for example, Bersatu. If they would have just switched sides, but still remain within PKR, they would. It would not be the anti-hopping law would not sort of cover that. Um, is that a fair read on the situation? It is a fair read, but I need to highlight to everyone who are listening today, the anti-party hopping law must be very specific and must be focused. See, some of us would like to stretch the anti-party hopping law to include party switching, coalitions, Mm -hmm. expulsion, voting against party lines and everything. First of all, we need to understand what is the main problem in Malaysia? And up to a a point, right? Mm -hmm. The main problem was willful, voluntary switching 
of individual members of parliament or state legislative assembly person from party A to party B or party A to independent. Right. If you ask me, this is the biggest problem. Hmm. So the anti-party hopping law was designed to tackle the biggest problem. The anti-party hopping law is not to be the be-all and the end-all for every form of movement. Because if you stretch the anti-party hopping law to cover every possible movement, then the, the meaning of representative democracy becomes useless. Right? Hmm. But if you what we have is a limited version. So hence, people will say that members of parliament will take advantage. That's true. So even we take the same anti-party hopping law and put it back in 20, let's say got put to effect in 2019 right. and we had a still return move. Mm -hmm. Yes, what you have said will take is correct. But right. that will also falls under one responsibility of political parties specifically. Mm -hmm. What does your party constitution talks about membership? How do you get your membership? How do your membership gets retained? And how does your membership gets removed automatically? Right. So I want to touch on something you brought up because you say, um, you know, the, the AHL, um, whatever version, um, even if after this we want to sort of um, work on it, uh, enhance it and, and things like that, it shouldn't come at a, at a price that there's no uh, movement among politicians or political parties allowed. Like, it cannot be that restrictive is, is what you're saying. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a, a very proper, fair, um, representative democracy, right? Why is that the case? Why is movements important? The movements takes place for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. I think the audience needs to be aware. The, the thing is, most of Malaysians, will, when we see the whole concept of hopping a movement, is because the particular candidate uh, who became selected representative decided to jump ship because of personal upgrades. Okay, but mm -hmm. there's so many factors. Is one is personal upgrade, mm -hmm. the prospect of your political party not coming to power. So then you felt that maybe the political party is not the platform that you want to be in. Okay, right. Because push your cause, you better move with someone else. Or within the party, you felt there is no prospect of growth. Uh, of push, pushing your position. Right. Then there is cohesion, right? Cohesion mm -hmm. that takes place. Sometimes the ruling government or the constitution or the day decided to force the cancellation of your party. So you're forced to become independent. So there's so many types of movements and for so many reasons. Right. right? So when that happened, we must understand that the any form of laws of the day should find ways to regulate, not to be restrictive. Mm -hmm. so, so this is what yeah. I have in, uh, when I have discussions with stakeholders, we must understand what is the problem that we face in Malaysia and understanding the root causes of such movements. Mm. So with all of that in mind, where do we go from here, Danish? Do we need to strengthen the anti-hopping law or just leave it behind and start thinking about better ways to protect and enhance our democratic processes. Then the reason I ask this is because over the past uh, couple of weeks or so, when um, you know Bersatu MPs um, started to um, pledge support towards Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim, um, uh, many people, um, especially on the realm of social media, um, they started to say, you know, then what is the purpose 
of the AHL. What are we trying to accomplish here? Is the AHL very weak? Do we even need it anymore? Um, is it just a facade? Um, and so on and so forth. How would you respond to all of that? First of all, we must understand that political discourse requires, requires nuanced understanding. Mm -hmm. We must look at the current situation. Yes, we have four Bersatu MPs switching sides to the Prime Minister. I mean, switching in the terms of their support, but still retaining the membership. Then we also had the situation right after G, uh, after G15. In the case of Sabah, we had some Bersatu MPs who somehow decided to become more aligned to the GRS coalition in Sabah, right? And right. that raised a lot of issue about were they signed up as Bersatu candidates in the first place or were they GRS direct candidates? Right. So this there are a lot of nuances and problems with this anti-party hopping law. But for me, it is good for the as it best fits the main problem of the day. Now, moving forward, okay, we can look from a holistic point of view mm -hmm. and we can look from a penalty point of view. Okay, let's mm -hmm. look from a holistic point of view. Right. We do need to reform our MSCC. Mm -hmm. We do need to reform our constituency development funding. It should be equitable because one of the reasons why MPs or state legislative assembly persons switch sides is because they do not get the constituency development funding to manage and service the constituency, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have that situation, they are tempted and eventually act out. Like how did the Bersatu MP state? Right. And this, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Danish. And this is not just a Lanka Sheraton and beyond era thing, right? Because even the years and years before, We've had MPs, um, let's say independent candidates um, that we know that in Sabah and Sarawak, many independent candidates contest um, during the elections. And then after the elections, they hop over to the winning side to leverage on, on certain power, certain funding, certain allocations and things like that. Right. So it's not just a Lanka Sheraton thing. It's something that's happened before uh, and perhaps will continue to happen in that sense. So, yes, that, that is true, okay? So, these are some of the, uh, what I call the holistic solution, mm -hmm. the more holistic solutions to uh, be looked at. Then we can look more on a, on a structural matter. Right. I think we should eventually pivot to a different electoral system mm. where we'll have some sort of element of proportionality. And when we have proportional electoral system, we can combine it with the anti-party hopping law and it becomes very effective. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because in proportional system, you actually voted in because of your party background, not so much because of who you are. Right. So you are there because your party put you in the list. Right. You try to switch out, out you go immediately. Mm -hmm. okay, but that requires the anti-party hopping law to be in to be amended to fix for that proportionality. Right. Now, that is from a structural point of view. Now, how about in terms of penalty? Okay. Hmm. Few ways to look at it. Okay. One way to look at it where people like to talk is let's find a way to tighten the anti-party hopping law. Let's hmm. start start looking at expulsion. Let's start to look on penalizing those who vote against party line and everything, make it very clear in the constitution itself. That would result to a parliament sittings where everyone is just completely reduced to mere party representatives. 
Right. You cannot really have a mind of your own. And especially if your political party goes a totally different trajectory to what you initially stand for, or completely went corrupt, completely went evil, and you can't go against it. If, if you go against it, you're out. Right. Mm. From the day one racket. So that's the danger of going this tightening and defining more requirements for anti-party hopping law. Okay, because that spends more time for voting. Okay. Right. The other way, see, we in Tinder Malaysia, we actually, when we talk about solutions, and we've been part of this discussion since 2021. Right. We can have anti-party hopping law because that's what we stood on since 2012. Yep. We also can adopt a complementary recall elections, okay? Right. And recall elections where we tackle all these complicated movements. For example, how should we handle when members or representatives found out their party got cancelled? Or members or representatives got expelled from the party? Members or representatives who vote against the party line, right? So these are complicated situations which I find anti-party hopping law mm -hmm. will find it very difficult to define. Okay. Right. Or you make you define, but you end up creating a rubber stamp democracy. Mm -hmm. The recall elections for us also should be talking about whether the members or representatives beat at the Devon Rakhi or say legislative assembly level to assess the performance, right? Sometimes the members that we elect, they're not up to performance right. or they have done things that show a disgrace to the day one, to the constituents. So in a more open recall elections, which also you triggered by the voters, they can say, I am not in agreement that this expelled member of the day one racket should be still sitting in the day one racket. So, mm -hmm. but then the recall election is of a long process. And for me, it is okay to have a long process because the whole purpose of recall elections is to consist, consistently asking the voters, are you sure that the action that you have taken to recall the elected representative, does it really have support? Does it have support among your constituents? Mm. So they have two, three stages. And that itself for me is a protective mechanism against abuse of recall elections. Right. And this idea of recall elections also adds another layer of empowerment for the people, doesn't it? Because... For example, the AHL in its current form, um, I while it's important, um, it it a lot of things have to happen um, either automatically or from a party to the Day One Riot speaker and then to the EC and things like that. Um, regardless if violate uh, when violations happen, right? It's not so much the people are involved. Whereas the recall elections will always give the 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 power to the people to decide. Hey, your MP switch sides. Are you okay with this? Are you not okay with this? Hey, your MP voted against this bill. Your MP voted against this budget, for example. Are you okay with it? Are you not okay with it? If you're okay with it, then carry on. If you're not okay with it, then you can do this petition, uh, try to get your constituencies together if there's enough support for the motion, and then you can have the recall elections. Do you think recall elections adds this layer of empowerment to the people? Okay, first of all, I want to make it very clear. Mm -hmm. Anti-party hopping law is extremely effective. Mm -hmm. And especially for the Malaysian context, anti-party hopping law is very suitable for democracies who are not completely matured, like right. ours. 
Right. So we need the stability. Mm-hmm. And anti-party hopping law, if you see, its main selling point, its, its penalties effect is immediate. Right. Depend how you implement it. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, if you have a, even a limited anti-party hopping law, even during the Sheraton move, and let's say Azmin Ali still said, okay, I don't want to associate myself with PKR at that time. He and his group of representatives leave the party. Okay, there will be a string of 10 to 11 by-elections. Right. That effect would have stalled and stopped the Sheraton move from taking place. Right. Okay. Recall elections, on the other hand, is a long drawn-up process. I know some of us are tempted to shorten it. Let's not shorten it for the sake of effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Recall elections duration is specifically to test the petitioner's ability to mobilize support. Right. Okay. So recall elections for me, now I want to talk about the question of empowerment. Mm-hmm. For me, yes, it does empower, but I think the more important aspect of recall is accountability. Hmm. It's actually about accountability channel between the constituents and the elected representative. Because recall elections is not just about tackling hopping. Right. Okay. Recall elections actually in the real world, most countries, talks about giving the choice to the voters to say whether the sitting representative of the day should be continuing their service in the office or not. Mm. Is it because of performance? Is it because the person done something disgraceful? Or the in formulation case, the voter felt that this person switched parties, uh, sorry, got expelled and I don't think I need this person to be around. Right. So for us, we would say the anti-party hopping law must be there. Mm-hmm. But if you want to enhance it, you had the complementary recall elections to handle all the complicated movements and then also, I think we do have need to have an honest discussion at this point. Are our representatives of the day performing? And if right. the answer is no, do we have a channel right now to recall them? Hmm. That's the discussion we should have right now. So, are there lessons from other countries that Malaysia can learn from? Have other countries gone through similar things um, and then, uh, you know, what are the lessons and, and we can draw from the, these countries who have gone through similar experiences? One of the countries I could uh, look into is, uh, is New Zealand. Mm. So New Zealand actually actually changed the electoral system. Mm-hmm. And in the process of changing the electoral system, unfortunately speaking, the party hopping becomes a big problem. So what they have decided to do, and as considering New Zealand is actually a matured democracy. Absolutely. They have implemented an anti-party hopping law, which was very specific. Right. Right. It's about this voluntary movements of party elected representatives of party background. But also there was one interesting element about this, the New Zealand's anti-party hopping law. Because New Zealand's electoral system eventually renders a proportional outcome. If the party found out one of their members decided to act in a way that distorts the proportionality at the the st- which was shown at the very first day after the GE of their GE. Right. Then that action can be taken to remove it, that particular member. So that means the person decided to 
elected representative of party A decided to vote in a manner that is not in line what the party A wanted. Right. right? But because New Zealand is a mature democracy and they do not want to create rubber stamp democracy, what they have decided to do is to create a due process because the party leader must talk to the member and there's a period of time uh, that discussion has to take place. And once it is ascertained that distortion has taken place, then the party member has to tell the speaker. So it removes excessive control of party leaders on the party representative, but at the same time, provides the provision to penalize those party elected representatives who disobeyed the party direction. So I, if you ask me, that is a very innovative right. approach they have taken. All right, Danish, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us with regard to the party hopping law? First of all, we must acknowledge that our anti-party hopping law is limited but focused. It best fits to the main problem in Malaysia historically. Mm -hmm. That is the willful voluntary jumping of elected representative from party A to being independent or to be party B. Right. We must understand with these limitations, there are instances where elected representatives will take advantage. So here lies the important points for us to move forward. We must look from a holistic point of view on resolving the questions of why party movement takes place. We must look at the structural point of view. Do we need to change the electoral system? Mm -hmm. And do we need to look at additional forms of penalty that best respects our parliamentary democracy at the same time, allowing the voters' mandate being respected? We do need to have much more nuanced discussions, but the fact that we have the anti-party hopping law since September 2022 is a significant milestone that we must acknowledge and we can progress from here. On that note, Danish, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That was Danish Prakash Chako, Director at Tinda Malaysia. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, BFM.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.